So we're just still waiting to get David online. Uh, it is the first time we've used this system uh, for Dark Days Radio because this is using the Podbean on air system. Uh, so we're just going through the technicalities of this. We tested it a little bit, uh, but it's a problem. But yeah, if you're new to Dark Days Radio, this is Dark Days Dark Hammer, which is a you know, Worlds of Warhammer RPG podcast devoted to the Cubicle 7 RPGs for Warhammer 40k Wrath and Glory, Warhammer Fantasy Battle RPG, and also, of course, newly released Soulbound. So we're still just waiting for David to get in into the chat. So as we, uh, I say, onto the show, because something strange with the way this app works and everything. So, um, where do we begin with Soulbound? So, if you're new to Warhammer uh, Age of Sigma, uh, Soulbound is the RPG for that setting, and that setting is set in a world which is the world that comes after the Warhammer fantasy world, the world that was. So we have the eight realms of magic, and those realms are kind of quite expansive, and Within those, we have numerous societies and races that are very familiar to us. So we've got the Duardin, we've got elves, we've got humans, uh, we've got things that look like Lisbon that are now called Seraphon. Uh, and of course, we have the forces of chaos. Now, there's a quite a long history with all this. You know, gods exist in this world that quite happily roam uh, the, the worlds, the plains, such as uh, Sigmar and... Uh, Alarial, uh, Tyrion and Teclas. We have Malarian, who used to be Malekith in the world that was. We've got uh, Marathi and her, dark, her witch elves, the Daughters of Cain. So there's quite a lot of scope that this game, uh, this new RPG, has to cover. So, so the soul band of these souls are entwined. And that's basically what you're playing in this game. So it allows you to have uh, a party of characters which are... Uh, both elves, uh, Duardin, humans, of all various different factions as well, because being soulbound essentially kind of frees you from uh, having to work with those uh, gods uh, alone. Uh, let me just get to the actual definition of soulbound. Because this is the thing is, you have to think about it, is the way this was described to me by the guys at Cubicle 7 is kind of think that you're playing characters that is equivalent to the suicide squad you know you are put together by the gods to do things and your tasks are new you know more than likely are going to be quite dangerous and uh you know epic you're going to travel to various locations within the mortal realms on your quest and the only way to achieve this goal is to put together a collection of beings from amongst the mortal realms. Obviously that's changed a little bit in modern times because with the coming of chaos and then the return of Sigmar and his forces into the mortal realms, certain gods have gone AWOL, so you know you don't gain the benefit of uh, Nagash within this. And that means that you're not going to have uh, them as undead creatures uh, within, you're not going to have undead creatures within your party. So being one of the soul band gives you, definitely will give you benefits. It will give you this kind of uh, uh, 
extra essence and power to draw upon to do magnificent feats of heroism. So as I said, you can play a number of different species within this game. You can play humans, Duarden. Uh, humans are adaptable, so when you're creating a character that is human, they get uh, different, uh, they can choose a variety of bonuses. If you're a Stormcast Eternal, you don't become soul bound because your your soul has already been manipulated by the reforging. Uh, but you do get a different benefit because you, of course, if you die, are reforged. Though that being a uh, quite a uh, you know that reshaping will have an influence on your personality and your memories. Then you can play elves, and obviously that covers darkling covens, that covers scourge privateers, classic dark elves essentially. Uh, it also covers the Daughters of Cain and the Idleness Deacon. Obviously, the Luminous were only just released, in uh, just announced to uh, for the Warhammer Age of Sigmar. So that character type um, isn't available yet. I'm just trying to sort out getting David onto this call. Just give us a, a moment. Uh, if you're playing uh, Duardin, you have the option of playing... Uh, you could either play Fire Slayers or uh, Caradron Overlords, or you could play one of the Dispossessed. So you could easily play a character that you, you build um, normally, and um, you just don't choose any of those factions. Uh, I'll just say that. So yes, you can play Fire Slayers and, and Caradron Overlords. They have all their variety of uh, different um, items and powers and abilities you can gain from that. You can also play as one of the Sylvaner. So you can play as uh, a variety of different things within there. You can, uh, as a Sylvaner, you can play the the, the Dryads, or you can play the larger uh, Wood Tree Spirits. So once we've chosen our character types and you know, more character types will be added in future expansions. Uh, we have a variety of core attributes within the game. There is body, mind, and soul. So that's pretty much what you expect. Uh, body is how good you are in melee uh, and also your defensive capabilities. Mind is your accuracy and how good you are with quick, quickly thinking about things, so your initiative and your awareness. Soul obviously represents your ability to of determination uh, to do magical feats and also to do uh, miracles and resist chaos. So these are the three core attributes within the game. And then you've got a variety of skills. Obviously, you know, skills can be combat skills, uh, crafting skills, magic skills, uh, hunting skills, uh, you know, as you would expect from any RPG. Now, these skills are slightly different to what you would expect in any other game, and this is where we get into the dice system of Soulbound. So, if we consider a dice pool system similar to Wrath and Glory, or similar, you may have played Vampire the Masquerade, you are gathering together a number of dice equal to your attribute plus a skill, normally in those systems, and you roll those and you are trying to beat a target number on each of the die, so dice. So it's like, say you need to get four or more to count as a success, okay? And then you sum up the number of successes and you have to beat a target number of successes in order to achieve your, your task, okay? So that's quite simple. What Soulbound does is adds an extra element of interest in how that is done. 
So you have a dice pool that's first of all built using the attribute that drives that skill. So this will be, say, strength. Then your skills have two ratings, one of which is training and one of which is focus. Now, training is the simple one to understand. For every rank in training that you have, it gives you an extra die into the dice pool. So that's quite simple. But if you have focus, this is the other ranking, focus means that for every rank in focus, you can add plus one to the result on a die. So you could turn a three into a four or a four into a five. Or you could, and you don't have to spread that, that focus points across. So you could actually add plus two to a single result. Now that's because the, this is useful because the, um, the system for how you do things has, what, has two elements to what you're trying to roll for. You have the difficulty number, which is the number you need to beat on each die, and you also have the complexity. So that's how many successes you need to achieve in order to uh, perform a task. So that's pretty simple. And then of course there's numerous talents, and talents will have prerequisites in order to do these things. Uh, the game, as you're making your characters, have quite a lot in there. And can you hear me? I can hear David. Ooh. Well, that was a bit of a roundabout way. Yes. I don't know. This is the first time we've been uh, we've ever used So David here. So hello, David. Um, we've gone through character creation, basics up to skills, and on to talents. And to talk about the fact that in the game, we've got a plethora of uh, things for physical appearance, character generation with eyes, hair, height, um, goals, and all these things which basically allow you to create your party of characters so you've got a very complete idea of who your character is and how they gain experience as they achieve goals. Cool. Right, I'm just making sure everything is going to continue working. And I've got soul bound up. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, um, I am here. Technology, uh, yay! So cool. Uh, have you finished then with the whole of the kind of yeah? I've gone personal touches. Yeah, there's cool. there's some questions that you can answer, and there's ways of creating connections between characters. Mm. So there's like a whole um, table you can roll on to create connections between your characters. So they might have some uh, pre-existing understanding or knowledge about the other characters that are built for the soulbound. Um, and I've said about the, the main dice pool mechanic, of course, which is the which is the rank, uh, which is the training and focus. Yeah, cool. So really, we're then into the finishing touches, which kind of give, brings us into some more of the system. Because once you understand your attributes and how your skills work, you can then start determining things that you're going to use when you get into combat, which is melee accuracy and defense. So do you want to run us through that then, David? Okay, so yeah, yeah, I'll uh, do my best. Um, so melee, um, so the three kind of finishing touches, yeah, as Chris says, you've got your melee, your defense, and your accuracy. Um, and these are actually represented um, quite differently to a lot of other systems. Um, your melee is represented by a hammer on the actual stat sheet, and you'll actually be using a word to represent what this what these are. So um, trying to find where it gives you the ladder. Um, page 39. Page 39. So um, melee is 
pretty much what it says. It's your 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 ability to attack um, shows you how good you are in hand to hand combat, um, and you use it when um, a, compare it against someone's defense to determine the di difficulty number of an attack. Um, you calculate your melee by using your body and your level of training in weapon skill. Um, and then that will give you a value between 1 and 12, most likely. Um, and these are then broken down into uh, how many? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 different levels. And these are all given a rating of things like poor, average, good, great, superb, and extraordinary, kind of telling you how good you are at something. Um, and you'll compare your, um, so in combat, we'll come to combat and we'll do that later, actually. Um, so that's what the melee is. Accuracy is kind of your ballistic skill, um, effectively. It's how good you are with ranged weapons. And that's kind of represented with the target on your um, character sheet. So you're seeing something slightly different rather than actually having a specific um, uh, number for a ballistic skill or... Um, how good you are at melee, you are given an actual rating, a word rating. So melee and accuracy, they're kind of the same. And defense is represented by a shield and represents how hard you are to, to hit. Um, and that is formed from your body and reflexes skill. Um, and again, that will give you a number between 1 and 12 and give you a rating of how, how good you are on, on your um, defense whether you're poor and you've got no defense, so you just have kind of stand there and get hit, or whether you're extra extraordinary, you could be a live witch else dancing around, avoiding all blows um, with almost supernatural talent, as it says in the book. So it's a, it's a very slight, it's a, it's, a, it's a very different take on how a combat system would work um, to some of, the, some of the more common games that you've got where it's, well, I've got a weapon skill, I go against your weapon skill, or I've got a weapon skill and I need this number to hit. It it's it kind of relates slightly differently, which is quite nice. And I, I kind of like the I like the way that it's it's come up. Um it's a lot more once you get your head around it, it does seem quite intuitive for me. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's a I mean it's a it's a different take on doing dice pulls as well, mm. because like you you've got your and as I said, like we, I spoke about the fact that you have a difficulty number. That's the target you're trying to beat on um, yeah. on your dice roll, uh, and that is what will be altered by comparing the your stat to an opponent's stat, or in this case, your your rating versus yeah. your opponent's rating on this ladder. Then, of course, we've got other things which are fairly yeah. standard. We've got armor. Armor is course going to reduce the amount of damage done to you before yep. it starts reducing your toughness toughness of course is in there which is built by body mind and soul which is kind of good i think that that represents that you can be tough mentally yeah and take significant amounts of damage or you can be tough physically or a balance between all of those things yeah and it's 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 quite nice as well that they've, they've they separate out kind of like toughness and wounds in here so whereas most people would consider tough um what they've done here is rather than saying you've got this many wounds, you're actually this tough before you start taking wounds. So you actually take a number of hits. And that could, as you say, it's nicely balanced, whether that's body, mind, or soul. So maybe you're fighting some chaos, chaos demons and it's you you have quite a lot of soul, but as you fight them, your soul gets eroded by chaos. So it's nice to see that they've kind of got that, that aspect in there. Yeah. 
Then, of course, you've got initiative, which is just going to determine where you come in the combat yeah. turn order, simple enough. Natural awareness, which is which is essentially passive awareness. It's yeah. how, how easily you notice things without actively looking. Uh, metal is the drive to succeed. Um, so metal is a, a resource that you will use to fuel talents, maybe perform miracles, uh, yeah. and... Uh, do other things. So you can use also metal to, within combat uh, to perform extra actions, essentially. So if you've yeah. got higher metal than someone else, you'll be able to move more, strike more, and other things. Yeah. And that's basically the character sheet. Yeah. Um, advancement is very simple. You know, it's an escalate. It's a. It's a. Um, Escalating table of costs. So, you know, going from one to two is two XP, for two to three is five, for three to four is seven, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Same with skills. You know, the, the layout of, if, you, if you've if you seen the Wrath and Glory RPG, the layout is very, very similar in, in that sense to, yeah. to what we've got there. Uh, and then we've got a wonderful um, explainer of the entire character sheet. Um, That's which is great. so useful to have that on there. Um, some character sheets, you just look at them and go, what the hell's going on? Whereas at least here, they've actually described, even though the character sheet is really, really nice and simple I'm, compared to I'm, some. I'm going to be a complete git here. I saw the, um, when I first saw the Pathfinder second edition character sheet, it was an yeah. assault on my eyes. It was awful. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> uh, then yeah. we can get into some more advanced things. So obviously... We're going to build characters, and we got to, and we said there's different races, different species. You know, humans, Duardin, elves, uh, Sylvaneth, and Stormcast. And within those, we've got a hell of a lot of different archetypes. So, if you do custom build, you can choose to be one of these species, and then build in in the way you want to fit that species. So you could represent an archetype that isn't within the book. So if you go right, yeah. I want to play a Stormcast... Is it Soulscribe Engineer? Uh, could possibly be. The dude but you know what, hands, what I mean? Yeah. One of the, the, the yeah. engineers that turned up in the Dark Portents expansion to Age of Sigma before um, Soul Wars. Yeah. That dude. Right? You could build him, because he's not an archetype in this, but you could build one of them, I think, I think more than happily. Yeah. With the way the archetypes are, are designed as well, it's they're, they're not... It wouldn't be too difficult to create your own or you need you need three stats and a few skills yeah talents it's, it's they're, they're not they're not really in-depth things and there is a lot of variability that you can put within them and i like the fact that they have the ability yeah it gives you a load of examples but then say yeah but if you want to do something else really cool here's the ability to do it exactly so uh do you want to just go through um those for us david because um, the... Go through the archetypes. I'm just going to oh, check something while I'm doing stuff. So um, there's 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 a fair few archetypes, um, and they're kind of they are split um, into obviously they're different races. So we have archetypes based around the free peoples. So this is the human archetypes. We have the daughters of Cain, um, who if if you're not familiar with the Age of Sigmar world, they are kind of like your dark elves of, of um, uh, the big one, Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. Um, Fire Slayers, these are small 
Duardin who run around wearing loincloths and burn gold into them um, and kill big beasties. Uh, then we've got the Edeneth, Edeneth Deepkin. These are underwater, weird, soulless elves in a way. There's no real connection to anything else in there. Then you've got Caradon Overlords, who are Sky Pirates, Steampunk Dwarves. And then we've got Stormcast Eternals and the Sylvaneth, who are tree things, tree peoples. So we'll go through quickly the free peoples, um, the actual archetypes. There's so much information in this that we can just... We could look at one of these and talk about it for hours. Uh, so uh, as we go through the free peoples, we've got Battle Mage. This is your basic wizard um, for people. They will be the ones you'll, they'll, they'll have your basic spells like Fireball or things like that, um, depending on how they look at their magic. Um, they obviously have quite a lot of mind um, and they have to be human. Uh, so... So there's so many of these. I'll go, go, go through them quickly. We then have the Blackheart Corsair. The Blackheart Corsair is a um, an elven corsair. So it's a, a, almost like a dark elf, but likes to um, live on the seas and, and raids and pirates. Um, they're quite. If you're familiar with the Warhammer world and the old world, they are. Um, Black Ark Corsairs is exactly the same as those. Um, they're very, very good at fighting, um, and they are elves. What else have we got? We've got Darkling Sorceress. We have, um, so this is like a, a, a witch elf sorceress, um, a dark elf sorceress. We then have the Excelsior War Priest. Um, that's pretty much what it sounds like. It's a war priest, um, has to be human. We've got, we've got trade pioneers. Um, again, this is this this can be any race. Um, these are your traders and your merchants and your diplomats. These are the ones who kind of are less fighty, but more about kind of traveling the world and, and gaining knowledge. Uh, and they have a little bit of they can have a little bit of magic. So they have they could they could get something called witch sight, um, which can be quite useful. Um, they're moving into daughters of Cain. Um, we end up with only two archetypes here. We have the Hag Priestess and the Witch Elf. So the Hag Priestess is a priestess of Marathi um, and is part of a blood cult. Um, they are um, <laughs> pretty vicious. Even though they are priestesses, they are still able to fight. Um, but they also end up with... Uh, kind of miracles of Cain. So in a way like blessings and, and prayers and things that you'd see from other, other systems, your witch elf is a murderous psychotic killer. Um, part of the blood cult from the cult, uh, same as the sorceress. Um, they are live, agile, quick, um, psychotic killers really. Um, We've got a nice core talent called Blood Frenzy, which I've not actually looked at. Um, but I'm guessing it means that the more they kill, the better they get at it. Uh, then we've got Fire Slayers, um, crazy, crazy dwarfs. Um, these are kind of... So in, in Age of Sigmar, dwarves are split up into different groups. I'm not sure how much Chris said on this. So the Fire Slayers are kind of they're, they're more like 
like your soul uh, troll slayers and dragon slayers from Age of uh, the Old World, um, but with a little bit of a nice twist on them. So um, the archetypes for this are Auric Rune Spider. Um, this is kind of, he's your Rune Lord in a way from uh, Warhammer Fantasy. Um, he's a dwarf, so he's got quite a lot of strength. Um, he's got a big body. But he's also a Rune Lord. He's got a, a lot of knowledge. Um, and he's probably the closest thing to a religious leader that um, the Duardin would have. So he's got quite a lot of soul in there as well. Um, he, he'll get the blessings and miracles um, of Grimnir, their god. Um, then you've got Battlesmith. Um, the Battlesmith is... I don't know much about Fireslayers. I should probably read up on them. Um, the creation of effigies of Grimnar is the Battlesmith's most sacred duty. They are many aspects of the Shattered God. Uh, Sorry about this. Um, so these seem to be more kind of your leader. Let's well, say scholars here. Um, I do apologize. I don't know much about those, so we'll skip over that one. Doomseekers uh, as another one. And the Doomseeker is effectively the new version of the Troll Slayer. They, um, or the, kind of the traditional slayer archetype from warhammer fantasy they're, they're, they're out to try and fight the biggest things they can find so they run around with with runes stamped into their flesh big flamey axes not wearing any armor and just going out all out let's go kill something and the bigger the better now the deepkin and the next one Ideness deepkins these are teclas's first attempt at some elves which all went a bit wrong and some of them don't have souls. Now I'm probably gonna butcher the names on these, so I apologize. So we're starting off with the Achelian Emissary. Um, uh, these are lords of um, the deep. They are lords of the, the deepkin, um, and they get to come in on a loyal Companion, the Fangmora, and this thing is a giant eel. So you've got these these lords and these well-trained warriors of the Deepkin Nation riding on these massive eels. And yes, you get to have an eel in this. You get to to, to, to take it. Um, it's it's like a big horse that flies. Um, they are brilliant. Um, these guys are designed as warriors as well, so um, they have quite high mind. Uh, then we've got the Isharan Soul Scryer. This is more of your kind of uh, mage-esque in a way, and they get to perform the miracles uh, of the Ether Sea. So in game, in kind of lore-wise, the Soul Scryers are the ones who look for the souls to try and bring souls back to the Ishar Ishar uh, Isharans and put them into the deep in themselves so they can actually live. The, the, the deep can have a lack of soul um, for various reasons, and the soul scribes are the ones who take souls and give them to the the, the ones who don't have souls. Um, but they are the kind of some of your mages in a way, um, and a bit of a, a kind of a religious one as well. Then you've got the Ishran Tidecaster. Um, this one is the real powerful sort um, spellcaster, though, for the the deepkin. Um, 
So they have more mind. Yeah, so the, the Tidecaster is more of your um, your actual spellcaster. Your Soul Scryer is, is a spellcaster, but is, uh, I would say, probably more towards your priest end of that. Uh, now, my favorite ones, the Caradron Overlords, Steampunk Sky Pirate Dwarves. And I think that's all I need to say on them. Anyway, no. So they've got three three archetypes. You've got the Aether Chemist. Um, this guy walks around with a massive chemistry pack on his back um, and is kind of, weirdly, I want to say he's like the mage, but he's not in this. He is in the kind of the the, the tabletop game. But, yeah, he's a, he's a chemist. He walks around and he, he does weird stuff. He's a medic. Um, he has forbidden knowledge and he has a massive kind of cannon that shoots out aether, aetheric nastiness at people and is a bit he's a bit of a, a weirdo um, but they are quite fun I find uh, then we've got the engine masters um, these are your engineers in a way they're part of the engineers guild of or the engine engineers guild I should say um, and they, they make lots of really cool stuff and they can they can come with um, they, they're the ones who build the the sky rigger packs which is actually for the next archetype, the Skyrigger. Um, a Skyrigger is a dwarf hanging from a floaty balloon. Um, so these guys are heavily armoured, have great weaponry, um, and fly around on underneath metal balloons. Um, but with all dwarves, they're very good fighters. They've very got a lot of fortitude and stuff. So they're quite fun. Um, cool. Then there's there's so much in here. Then we've got your Stormcast and your Sylvaneth. Yeah. Yeah. Shall I go um, through those then? So Stormcast. You go through those two. Yeah. We've got. Yeah, we've got the Knight Azraos, which are essentially uh, their winged Stormcast. They are floating around on holy energies, and they light the way with their. They've got this kind of like this lant, this soul lantern, uh, which allows them to illuminate uh, into the world. Uh, and as it says, they when a knight Azeros travels with a soulbound, they may be may have been sent to act as the group's more diplomatic face in an otherwise hard age bunch with a knack for stirring up trouble. So uh, that's quite cool. Um, you know, you're going to fly around. You're going to be good with theology. Uh, you've got this celestial beacon uh, and a star blade. So they're they're kind of neat. Um, so yeah, they've got kind of a reliquary that they hold up that has the has an an element of uh, uh, of the realm of Azir in there. We've got Night Encounters, which are basically Stormcast uh, mages. Uh, they basically, as it says, you know, they're, they're going to do some magic. They're not going to be as strong as other Stormcasts in combat, but they are going to you know bring down smiting uh, uh, magic of of lightning. We have Knight Questor, which is essentially your classic knight for the Stormcast. Uh, they are going to have like a big heavy uh, shield, uh, a big kick-ass sword. Um, I think you can most probably, with a little bit of custom build, use this as the basis for a um, for a uh, sacrosanct chamber um, um, sequator. Um, Stormcast, where they have a hammer rather than a sword. 
So that could be easily done. And then we have Knight Venator, which is, again, they're on holy wings, uh, but of course this time they're armed with a bow. And so they are, you're kind of, I'm guessing they're going to be more your scout, really, than, more than anything. They're also going to have a companion, which is a star eagle. Uh, yeah, they're kind of fun. And then we've got the Sylvaneth. So the Sylvaneth, we've got uh, uh, Branch Witch, which is classic, you know, wizard for the Sylvaneth, uh, manipulating the magic of the trees and the woods and life uh, and beast handling. We've got the Kurnoth Hunter, which is going to be your, your standard heavy hitter for the Sylvaneth. They're much larger. Uh, they're going to have a great bow. Or, or, and a great sword or a great scythe, um, they're going to be quite, you know, difficult to um, to defeat in some respects. And then we have a Tree Revenant Waypiper, who, again, I'm guessing is sort of like a scout, because the waypipes are used to allow them to travel through the network of, of, of routes that spread through the realms so that they can travel quickly. Um, it's it's actually the other way around. So the Kurnoth, yeah, the Kurnoth Hunter is more going to be your scout. Um, okay. They they have stealth and reflex. Oh yes, they do. Yeah. Um, and the Re the the Tree Revenant is is very much going to beat the crap out of you. Um, even though the uh, the Great Bow is a mass massive weapon, the uh, the Tree Revenant Waypiper I also see has entertains. They've got the element yeah. of being a little bit of a of a, a bard, I guess. Yeah. Cool. And that's cool. all the character archetypes that are there to begin with. But as we've said, like with custom build and with these examples, it's very easy to create character types that, which aren't explicitly written down in this book. Yeah. Because obviously Age of Sigma for each of these factions is very large. So, you know, if you wanted to, um, you know, you want to play a, a Duarden uh, of the Dispossessed, you've got that species and you can just build it as a free people and you just yep. need custom build. Uh, if you wanted to be a, um, I can't remember what they're called. The, what are the, what, what are wood elves now? The, oh, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you could be like a war dancer. You could quite easily yeah, put yeah, a, yeah, war, exactly. uh, a wood elf war dancer, but they're not called wood elves anymore, are they? Or you could, or you could, um, because we don't have, um, we don't have anything much on them yet. But we do have miniatures and some background material on them from the, uh, the new the new um, Warhammer Underworlds uh, Beast Grave. We have the Wood Elves in that, and they look quite yes. different again to Silver. Yep. So I think you could easily take that as a as a jumping point for a character concept. Yeah, definitely. Any any of the um, the Underworld stuff you could quite easily take as a uh, as a concept for it. Yeah. I'm going to have to look this up. Shadow Warriors as well. No. All right, I've got the City of Sigma book out now because I want to know what wood elves are called. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so I'll carry on. So obviously we've got a skill list. We're going to go through the skill the list. The Wanderers, apparently. Two depths because it, it's pretty much it. It says what it does. Arcana, yeah. mind, knowledge of mystic lore, athletics, obviously going to be doing fitness and running, awareness, the ability to spot things, ballistic skill, the ability to shoot things, beast handling, ability to manage beasts and ride them channeling which is to channel raw magical energy crafting so yeah channeling is different to arcana arcana is the knowledge channeling is the ability, ability to, yep. to, to to use it 
uh, crafting to make things determination. That's going to be to defy anguish and resist fear. Devotion, that's going to be really more about uh, bringing on miracles and blessings. Dexterity, makes sense. Entertain, makes sense. Fortitude, yeah, that's going to be about like resisting poison and so forth. Guile, which is going to be the ability to convince people, so it's charm, essentially. Intimidation, makes sense. Intuition, uh, the ability to, to sense the ambience of the environment and feel the tension that something is wrong and out of place. Law, makes sense. History and so forth. Uh, medicine makes sense. Yeah. Might is yeah. the ability to form heroic feats of strength. That's that's different to athletics in some respects. Nature, uh, which is about understanding flora and fauna. Uh, reflexes that makes sense. That's about dodging things. And uh, stealth, obvious survival, obvious weapon skill, obvious theology. Theology is about the knowledge of gods and their religions. So all the skills, pretty much off topic, uh, you know, straight up easy to understand. Where we get into the fun bit is the vast variety of talents and so um, many. So, the thing, so, say, so many. <laughs> the thing we didn't say about the character types that you can play as is that the character types you can play as um, you have a set number of experience points if you do custom build. If you play as a set archetype, a lot of that all that experience points are already spent on the attributes and on prerequisite skills. And then you have some further XP to spend here and there on talents and skills, but you've got a limited selection to fit that character type. So that's just how, you know, but that also, that's brilliant because if you're new to Age of Sigma and this is your first toe into the setting, you've got, there's so much you could do that the last thing you want to do is have the entire kitchen sink to to pick from. Sometimes yeah. it's brilliant to have a very focused idea of what you want to do. Okay, talents. What have we got, David? Uh, of cool stuff. Like there's a lot of cool basic, stuff. Like warm yeah. meal. Like you can just do some cooking. Um, Acute senses again is normal. But um, like, battle rage. Barazak Doom, the Doom Oath for Doom Seekers. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, ancestral um, memories, animal friends. So there's a lot on here which are kind of things that you'd recognise. Crushing um, blow, you know, graceful yeah. gunslinger. That's interesting. Yeah, a death, memory is uh, yeah. is an interesting one. Um, what else have we got? Got uh, hunter, legendary saga. Um, Loyal for... companion, you see, turn up a few times in character types. So yes. that means he's got a pet, essentially. Yeah, and one of those pets is a giant eel. <laughs> the fan Yeah, girl. like the list of potential things you could have, like the bitter grub, the drill bill. Oh, the drill uh, bill's amazing. The fangmore uh, eel, you said it, the griff hound, yeah. uh, the, the scry fish, star eagles, and there'll be more that you could come up with from the setting that isn't yeah, included in this core book. Um, what other stuff we've got that looks interesting? Potent spell, you can cast potent spells. Spell... Obviously, within the talents is where you choose your. If you're a, if you're a magic user, so you're a battle mage or something, um, this is where you choose your spellcasting lore. So you've yeah. got amber, which is the realm of Gur, which is uh, wild magic. You've got amethyst, which is saish, which is which is death magic. You've got which let's just say death magic of the amethyst uh, color. Is different to necromancy. 
Yeah, okay. it's not. It's not. It's not the law of Nagash. No, uh, we've got bright magic, which is the magic of Akshai, which is flames and passions. We've got celestial, which is a zero, which is prognostication and storms. We've got gold, which is the heaviest of the magical hues. It's about metallurgy and transmutation. We've got grey, which is uh, Ugu, which is the shadow and mist uh, and tricksters and phantoms. We've got jade, which is uh, Gairan, which is the energy of growth and healing. And we've got light, which is Haitian, uh, which is the law of illumination, purity, symbolism and learning, uh, which opposes grey magic. And then we've got other laws which fit specific groups. So, for example, we've got the Deeps, which is the Isleth Deep King law. Um, I'm sure something that the law that's oh, I know it will be covered by them, won't it? Um, what law does do witch elves use? They'll be using uh, oh, probably Olgu, I would guess. Olgu, yeah, yeah. Because um, classically, magic. witch elves would have used dark magic. Yes. Let's have a quick look at the archetypes. See what it says. It'll be under the yeah the um the, hag the sorcerer the hag, the hag priest or the sorceress. The hag priest, uh, they do miracles of Cain. Ah, right, cool. And I'm guessing um, the the sorceress as well was probably miracles of Cain. Uh, they they have witch sight and yeah spellcasting gray. Cool. Okay. Uh, the sorceress. Excellent. So that's that's I think that's an interesting thing because in classic world that was Warhammer Fantasy, Dark Elves use dark magic, which is a yep. which is a blending of ambient man magic around you in a destructive manner to do something. So it's similar, but it's not quite uh, chaos magic. It's kind of like chaos magic with an element of control. Troll, it's yeah. destructive magic, though. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll likely see other spell laws uh, at a later date. Like, we'll see the spell laws for, like, um, for the for the Uruk. We'll see um, the spell laws for Gork and Mork. We'll see uh, the spell laws for Nagash. Um, yeah. But I think also the thing is, you've got so many examples here. You could likely... Um, you could likely represent most things. Like you could literally say, like uh, I, I don't know if there's a if there's a magic spell that allows you to move quickly, you can mostly just re reskin it to be Vampire's yeah. Dance Macabre for your for your antagonist um, to get you by. Then we've got miracles, and I love this section because I think this well, is really bringing some flavour. This section. So we've so... got universal miracles. So these are things which are common to any kind of religious character that's talking to the gods uh, and beseeching them for their aid uh you know shield of faith and healing spirit and so forth but then we've got miracles of elerion which is the goddess of life uh so these are all like nature-based miracles uh, we've got the miracles of Earthsea, which are the miracles of teclas for the ideneth deacon uh, and these are things like dash upon the rocks, you summon a tidal wave of ether sea to wash away your foes, or secret souls, which means you can scry souls at a, lot, at a long distance. Like, there's some pretty cool stuff in here, and I don't yeah. think I don't think some of this has been ever properly defined in Age of Sigma ever before. Like, well, there have the, get... the, 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 been hints of these things, but they've never really been expanded upon. So, well, uh, that's the thing. It's like like a spell on a character. Or on a hero in Age of Sigmar, it's, it's a very short paragraph. It's very instantaneous as well, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, 
Miracles of Grimnir, which is obviously, um, he is the battle priest of the Duarden. And these He's the things shattered do, god, yeah. Yeah, do cauterize and searing heat and so forth. Then we've got the Miracles of Cain, so blood binding, which red is mist. really neat. Uh, red mist, uh, which draw forth the blood of your enemy, shaping it into a red mist. So it's basically blood magic. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you've got Miracles of Sigmar. Of course, you're going to have Miracles of Sigmar. You're going to have, like, Celestial Strikes and the Light of Sigmar, which I think should be the type of thing that does damage to enemies. So I think some of these things would do damage to, like, demonic and undead creatures, um, as is typical. And then we get into the interesting element of um, of uh, items, you know, equipment, because there's again a shed load in this game. Uh, we get there's into so much in this game. It's we get to considering the, the size of the book, they've crammed yeah. so much in. We talk about there's a brief description of the currency. So because we've got the twin city of Hammerhall, uh, which is half in Akshai, half in Gairan, yeah. uh, water flows from Gairan into Akshai, and so it's it's this and it's a purifying water. It can, you know, it can heal wounds, purify the taint of chaos, all these things. So it is a valuable item and uh it's used as a form of currency like you you spend it drop by drop or or file by file so it's because like where are all the coins and it's like well coins are a bit pointless when you can literally go to the realm of metal and find as much gold as you like yep um and again you've also the other problem with that is uh power and overlords like to control metal and 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 trade so um it didn't really work out, so they moved on to something which is actually needed in all the realms and is is quite special. So um, Aquagiranis is um, the what they use for currency. Yeah. So uh, you can use other th- other things to suggest as currency, like uh, realm stone uh, could be a form of currency, uh, but also just bartering is yeah. the standard. Now. There is a shed load of weapons in this game. We're not going to go through it because, you know, it's just a shopping list of stuff. Um, you've got all your usual stuff in there, so... Um, yep, yeah, you've got things like also... You've got stuff to represent free peoples quite happily. You know, you've got blunderbuss, hand cannon, uh, pistol, repeater, p- pistol, rifle. So you could play proper low-down... Uh, uh, you could play a classic witch hunter. Mm-hmm. Because they exist in the free peoples, you could play a witch hunter. You could play yep. uh, a pistolier on horseback. You could play a handgunner from the the militia. Uh, you could play all manner of very basic mortals. Yeah, um, and it, to, to to kind of if you if you get that idea, um, even though this is a, a game which is about being the big hero, um, it's really easy to just kind of go well. If you're part of the army, you've just suddenly been accosted, seconded to, seconded, sorry, to this new group, and that's where you suddenly realise that you are the hero. So even within the concept of the game, you can still play a lowly, lowly person. The fun thing about this is obviously because you're you're through this mystical um, action of soul of soul binding. That's what gives you fuels you. It gives you this this greater destiny um, mm. as part of this group. So it elevates 
mortals up above regular people. But if you yeah. wanted, you could quite easily go, look, we're going to play a down and dirty uh, game. Street where... level, run, run through the docks kind of. And, you don't, and they're not soulbound. You're just a yeah. bunch of mortals dealing with epic, dangerous stuff. Yeah, that, that could be a, a, a really fun thing to, to do and a, a new way to explore the, the world of Age of Sigmar. Because it is, it's, it's very much kind of on the 40k scale of stuff. It's a grand, grand universe. But some of the more fun and, and interesting areas I find in these vast universes are when you look at those kind of street level stuff and go back yeah. to the, the, the normal people, so to speak. Um, carry on with equipment. Obviously, there's armor. Armor is pretty simple in how it um, yeah. describes things. Uh, shields shields are interesting because shields don't add armor they increase your defense by a step yep so that's kind of good because sometimes shields in games are just like extra armor and don't really like oh well it's not really doing anything too exciting um but shields at least do something different uh then you've got a variety of weapon traits we're not going to get into uh, but, you know, as you expect, they do stuff like cleaving people apart or blasting them apart or they're etheric yeah. uh, and do stuff like that. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of equipment, which is, which That's again, I think, again, time. like, this is really lending a lot more flavour to Age of Sigma than we've yeah. ever seen before. Because the idea of, like, you've got some uh, action coal. So this comes from Akshai, the Realm of Fire. And this coal is small palm-sized pieces of cracked red coal that contain a f tiny fraction of the emp of Emberstone, which is the, the, the realm stone of that, that, yeah, of that realm. And the, the coal is warm to the touch and gives off an orange-red glow. And so it also can illuminate an area. And I imagine also you can use it to start fires with, or at least if you've got enough of it, it would be, used, it would yeah. be useful for that. So... That's really cool. Like, wow. Um, what else did I see that was like interesting and interesting cloaks, icons of Grimmar. Yeah. Um, iron bark oil, which is this oil that comes from iron bark trees from the realm yep. of metal. So this yep. this is harvested by the Sylvaneth that live in the realm of metal. So again you're getting an idea that not all Sylvanas come from the realm of life from Gairan, and this gives a different feel and flavour, perhaps, to characters that come from there. Yeah, um, that's, 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 even though um, like Sylvanas, their home realm is, is Gairan, they, they do belong elsewhere. Same with the Fire Slayers, their home realm is... Uh, actually. Actually, yeah. but um, you can find, you'll find them all over, wherever there's mountains. And, and there's there's uh, volcanoes and things you'll find uh, fire slayers. So when you are kind of looking deeper into the kind of game, once you're maybe looking to get into the world, don't be hemmed in by the stereotypes. It's one thing that we always I mean you always try and say is go beyond, look into it, and you can explore and you can go places with other things. So yeah, and then of course we've got the the whole list of um, uh, Caradron Ooh, cool equipment list, which is you know diverse and expansive and has everything you expect. Like and has some really rigs. cool pictures with it. Wow. Yeah, I, I really like the artwork they're doing for this. Um, 
And, and that's a good thing we should take a moment to say is like that again, Cubicle 7 has like got together you know, a good team of artists who did wonderful yeah. things on Wrath and Glory. And for this again, are keeping with the style that we've seen for Age of Sigmar, especially since second edition with especially yeah. with things like Warcry. And yeah. they're really helping push push the push back like what we don't know about the world and show us more about all these realms. Yeah, there's, there's, they've certainly, um, yeah, second edition has really, really helped and things with the uh, malign portents and malign sorcery as well, setting the story even more so. Um, but the artwork that they've brought into this really adds so much flavor. Like these Caradron little sketches here, they've got of the equipment, um, kind of like someone's trying to design it in a way. Yeah. It's adding just that kind of little bit of extra thought behind how you'd see the world. Oh, I love how the Caradron equipment has power consumption and you have to balance your items <laughs> off your like rig so it can like power them all. That's like building yeah. a mecha in like in like um Battletech or like or, or you know, you've only got so many hard points that you can put stuff on until you're like drawing yes. too much power. Um that's wicked. And of course you've got some pre-built ether rigs that you can choose from that fit the character types. But again, if you want to do something a bit more custom, you can do so. Yep. Uh, they've got fire slayer runes. Um, obviously, they do exactly what they say on the tin. They are runes that are made of their um, burning ur gold, and then you know, rammed into their flesh. Ram rammed into their flesh, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're hammered into the flesh of the, right. the fire slayers. Yeah. And then we've got some more basic stuff like different types of mounts and uh, vehicles. So obviously you've got horses and aurochs and uh, carts and coaches and, and ships. And we've got the classic things, food and lodging, Bugman, uh, Bugman's XXXXXX, which is a Caradron drink. drink. Um, that's yeah, they, they, they've named what quite a few different types of uh, ale here. That's quite nice to see. Uh, we've got stuff on travel time and on and toolkits and and so forth. And then we're falling into the rules. So as we said, the dice pool system is dead easy. Yeah, it's attribute for the uh, the attribute that's running the skill plus any ranks in training gives you extra dice. You roll those d six. Any of those dice that comes up beating the target difficulty number, which will range anywhere between two and six, uh, is a success, depending on what the task we're doing. Yep. So that's the difficulty number. And then you also have the complexity. The complexity is how many successes do you need in order to succeed. So you might need to roll to get you might need to get at least three successes. You need to get at least three, four or mores, for example, on a task. And then your your focus means that you can add plus one for every point in your focus to a die to increase its score. So you can turn a three into a four, a four into a five, and that will net you more successes, obviously. And I really like this balance that you could actually not have as much training, but you're actually just hmm. innately quite good yep um and I'll, i i'm loving the idea with the the complexity as well so it's you're not making something harder so um can't remember where i actually read it in this but they, they describe it as it might just take you longer so a complexity of one is could be just you're flipping on a switch 
but first of all, you've got to find the switch. So your difficulty is quite high. So it could be a difficulty of difficulty number, maybe uh, four or five, but a complexity of one, because the task itself is not difficult, but finding the correct switch is difficult. Or maybe um, one of the examples I give in the book as well is um, you're, you're trying to hold up a room, uh, a doorway, so all your friends can escape. So you are um, doing, it's, it's not very difficult to hold open the doorway, but you've got to do it for a long time. So maybe it's a difficulty um, three, four. So it's not very difficult, but it, you have to do it for a long time. So therefore you need four successes. So it, it really does kind of show you a, a nice way to story tell how, what the dice are actually doing and what they're representing. Yeah. Um, well, so it wasn't, um, but with those, so yeah, you've got, um, your usual kind of, um, tests. So you've got your common tests, which they're, they're, they're your usual things where you, have, you get given your difficulty number and difficult, uh, complexity. Um, and then you roll the dice and whatever. Um, then you've got your opposed tests. Um, so, um, whether you're trying to con somebody out of something or you're trying to do something where, where there's an op some, someone else is trying to oppose it. Um, these have a generally a set difficulty number of four, one, if I remember off the top of my head. Um, and it's whoever yes. gets the most number of successes, um, obviously wins the opposed test. Yeah, and you modify that if someone's got advantage, advantage or disadvantage. Or yeah. So it changes the difficulty number uh, that you need to get the successes on. Actually, the more I think about this, the system reminds me of classic World of Darkness, where you had a variable target number on your D10s, and you had to get a number of successes. So in that respect, that's where the commonality is for people that have played classic World of Darkness. Yeah. Um, okay, that's opposed. We've talked about disadvantage, advantage. Natural Thanks. awareness is just, you know, um, is kind of like your passive ability to notice things around you. Um, yeah. And so it is not something that would be rolled. It is something which someone trying to sneak past would have to beat. Yeah. Uh, so the example here is that, uh, you know, a, a, a magma droth is not actively searching for the character. So we use the natural awareness, which is going to be their mind plus training divided by two up, uh, you know, uh, rounded up. So it gives a score of two. So then to beat it, you're, you need to get at least two successes at a difficulty number four. So that's really quite simple, and I quite like that. Yeah. Uh, linking back to what you said about complexity, extended tests are pretty much that. You, you're doing a yeah. test that requires many more successes than your dice pool allows, but you are allowed to achieve the goal because... It is complex and you are, and it is possible to achieve it given enough time. So uh, like you're trying to do some research or you're trying to build, rebuild an ether ship or something like that. Yeah. Um, they, they, the, the extended tests are things that can take maybe an hour or months and you'll be allowed to roll a, a certain number of times depending on what, what it is you're actually trying to test. Um, as, as you make the rolls, um, your successes go up until you have done the, the correct number of tests or you've managed to get the, the right number of successes that you need. Um, yeah. The only thing it does state about these is if you don't succeed um, and you are doing some, some form of crafting or anything, you lose everything that you've, you've put into it. 
Um, yeah. Which is, it make, it's, it's, it's harsh, but it makes sense in, in the kind of um, idea of what it actually is. So you've tried to build a sword, something's gone wrong, you don't automatically get everything back. The sword doesn't fall apart into its component parts anymore. So, Exactly. Right, okay. Uh, now we're on to something different, which is metal. So metal is uh, metal. your ability to push yourself to do things. So as we yeah. said, it can be used as a, as a, um, it's a, it's a resource that's used to power miracles and talents. Uh, your maximum, you've got to, you, you, in other words, so you'll spend it and it's recovered during your turn as well. Yeah. So you, so you also use it in combat to do extra action. So it's a, it's a, it's a resource kind of like, it reminds me of willpower in World of Darkness. I mean, the reason we make these comparisons is because certain games have been out for a while and you may have played them and it helps it helps ease us into new game systems if we can make comparisons. So yeah. it's kind of like willpower, I would say. Um, and yeah, it's just that. Um, obviously it can be used in combat, as I said. Um, it doesn't do anything like re-rolls, but you've got a list of things that can allow you to take extra actions. It can allow you to use a talent miracle. It can also do things like double your training or double your focus. Yeah, those are really nice little little things that you can do with it. So um, it could basically allow you to double your raw potential of, of getting lots of successes, yep. or you can double your ability to guarantee you get this task done. Because yeah. like maybe you need sixes on the difficulty number, and you need to get at least two successes, and you've only got a focus of two. If you double your focus, your focus is now four to spend across all your dice, you're pretty much guaranteed of getting those two those two sixes that you need to roll. Yep. So that's really simple. Uh, Soulfire. What's Soulfire then? Soulfire. Okay. So this is Soulfire and Doom. These are again. It's kind of a, it's it's a new thing. I was when I was looking at when I first kind of thought about it. I was thinking Wrath and Glory. It's going to be the same as Wrath and Glory in Wrath and Glory. Um, but no, it's not. Um, so. Uh, the mortal realms—they are quite interesting places. They're extreme places, of, and and they're, they're opposites. So you've got light and dark, life and death, order and chaos, and things like that. Um, so the the soulbound have obviously they've been they've been forced to come together, um, and soulfire is kind of the essence that binds them together in a way. Um, how does it describe it here? It's, it's, so it says the spirits. I think grows stronger. It's the it bond is... yeah. that kind of binds them together. But it's kind of more than just a, a physical thing. It actually kind of becomes, in a way, a resource. So Soulfire is, um, as you are kind of, maybe um, the character is, is, is starting to fail and is starting to feel weak, he can use the the bond that he, the Soulbound's bond and spirits to, to, to lift himself up again with the camaraderie and actual also the actual soul of the group. So it's it's a, an abstract concept. It's not a physical thing. It is soul in a way. Um, and what, what you can players can do is you can actually use this resource to do certain things. Um, and it gives you a list of them. Um, we'll quickly run through them. Uh, so you've got, you can achieve maximum successes on a test instead of rolling. So every die can count as a six. That is insanely powerful. 
This is where your, your re-rolls come in. You can re-roll as many dice as you like after attempting a test. Or you can recover all your toughness. You can regain all spent metal. And you can cheat death, allowing you or an ally to recover from being mortally wounded. Um, and we'll come to that in a bit. But Soulfly, again, this is where you do get the similarity with the C7, Cubicle 7 systems. Soulfire is the same as glory in a certain extent, as in you can, or you're meant, you, you're meant to ask um, the rest of the binding um, to use Soulfire because it's a group resource. Um, and if they agree to and allow you to spend the Soulfire, you can obviously go off and, and, and do what you wanted to. If the binding or the group disagrees with you and they don't want you to spend it, um, you have two choices. You can either listen to the binding and, and go, okay, fine, I won't do that. Or you can ignore them and do it anyway. Um, pretty much like glory works in uh, Wrath and Glory. Um, you can spend it whether they agree with you or not. However, if you do so, if you ignore your group's wishes and, and you do use the soul fire, um, without their consent, it increases what's known as doom. Um, doom reflects kind of the world around you. Um, as so, um, do, 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 where are we? Where's doom gone? So yeah, doom is yeah. doom is basically a a, a way of a, a way of gauging how dark and dangerous the world is getting around you in yeah. reaction to what you're doing and events. And it is, it's not really a, a points that you spend per se, but it's a way of gauging uh, how dark and dangerous, as in like it increases if, the, if a member of the party dies, increases if someone uses soul fire without uh, consent, increases if, you, if someone flees a fight or they have to retreat uh, or they, or each time a fear escalates to a threat. So these are things which, um, essentially allows you to get a feel for what's going on and also uh, it then manifests in the fact that antagonists will gain abilities or yep, they will get harder fueled by doom yeah so it, it's kind of as as the doom increases um, the physical effect on the game is your your antagonists and the people you're going against will get harder but it's also used to um, give flavor to the world. So as it yeah. escalates, you'll start seeing um, maybe you're walking through a town and you'll see more fights and more pickpockets happening and and theft is it becomes more common. So you're starting to see the world itself becoming more and more doomed and more and more affected by the bad stuff that is happening there. So at doom level one, which it starts out on, the world is nice, everybody's happy, things are fine. As you go through and weird stuff happens, bad stuff starts to happen. It starts to actually have a physical effect on the world itself and the people within it start to get angrier and, and darker yeah. in a way. So, Okay, quickly moving forward then. Combat. Combat's quite simple. Uh, yeah. There's a turn order based upon your initiative. Uh, this can be manipulated, as we said, with like um, Soulfire and Metal. Uh, I think Soulfire, yeah. we said, can change the initiative. Uh, obviously there's rules for surprise. You can hold your actions, you can hold it so you can go first in the next round of combat. That's all fairly uh, simple. Yeah, initiative is, you can, it's actually an action, you can seize the initiative. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. That's holding your action, yeah. Um, uh, 
in your turn, you can do two things. You can move and take an action. And then also, as we said, you can spend metal to take further actions and do further movement. Um, so moving essentially means you, you get to move for free within your zone. So this gets into the fact that Age of Sigmar, or Soulbound, Age of Sigmar roleplay, does not use exact movement. You can play with exact movement, but it uses narrative zones. So yep. you could go, you are fighting on, say you're fighting on a cliff edge, on a, on a cliff, there might be uh, the cliff edge itself, there might be another cliff edge, which you have to move along to, which is another zone. There might be a cliff edge above them, so that's another zone. And then there might be the top of the cliff, which is another zone again. And then you could get the ladder, idea that... Which should be a zone. Be a ladder, yeah. So, and so you can move between these zones, and you can shoot and do actions between these zones, as long as they're adjacent or anything. So you can draw a little map and turn them into into you could divide them into zones they don't have to be exactly the same shape nor do they have to be the same size nope. uh, so it's, so... it's 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 a system which um if anybody's familiar with modifius's d uh 2d20 system it's, it, it they use it in there quite a lot as well so um... yeah yeah exactly um so i quite like this obviously within zones there might be a zone or might add a zone for example might have might provide cover if someone is trying to attack you from outside of that zone, um, or depending on where the zone, you know, which edges of zones interact, there may or may not be cover between those zones. Mm -hmm. uh, or there might be some environmental traits, like it's a treacherous bridge, or um, or it's on fire, or something like that. Uh, so I quite, I actually do quite like this because it means that you can quite rapidly draw a map. Yeah. And you could you can divide it into its zones and place miniatures if you're going to use miniatures or counters to show where people are. But you don't have to get into the ins and outs of am I in a zone of control? Do you get an, a, a, an attack of opportunity? All these things which can very much slow combat down. Yeah, and you but, don't need tape measures or anything. Just... But it gives you enough information to give you give you a sense that you can make meaningful. Uh, choices like do I stay in this zone do I move to this other zone in order to attack this person or to defend or to flee blah 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 uh, you can run of course running allows you to double your to, to basically move faster and move between multiple zones at once uh, and yeah I mean it, it's quite simple in that way um, the game does have at the back of the book alternate rules for exact movement if you want to use grids I personally wouldn't use grids. I would go, I would basically transform movement into either if they're slow, they move three inches. If they're yeah. normal, they move six. And if they're fast, they move 12 and just do that. And yeah, obviously if they fly, translatable. Yeah. if they fly or they, um, or they're ethereal, they can move through cover or move over cover, stuff like that. Uh, likewise with ranges, most ranges fall into either. It's like going to be what, uh, uh, a six inch range, no, a three inch range, a six inch range, and then likely something that's 18 inches. And anything beyond that is very long range, which is the type of weapons which you're not going to see unless it's like some sort of ballista or, or trebuchet mm. or something. Uh, 
but otherwise, you know, it's it's that it's that simple. So the way in comp, you know, as we talked about the ladder, um, the ladder in combat tells you what difficulty number you need to beat, and also with range, the the range will manipulate will change uh, the difficulty rating on the ladder. So, like, say if you the difference between your accuracy and their defense means that it's like poor versus good. It means it's a difficulty rating of five and they're at a range that is further than your weapon, uh, it will increase the ladder um, difference by yeah. two, to two, by, by two ranks rather than one, which means it's a difficulty rating of six, something like that. It's, it's, really, it's really, really simple and, and quite neat. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, having, having that idea of the ladder there um, and the ability to kind of chop and change it with just a simple simple ability of going up or down one of those ladder steps takes out a lot of the thinking involved in okay so what is in this scene what's where what are they doing what number do i actually need to give them for this um and it's all kind of done here in what five lines of text yeah in, in, and the in rules it, really so. take up bugger all space in this book which yeah. is brilliant obviously there's tons of different actions we're not going to get into but like just giving you, you obviously you can attack, you can charge, you can do cold shots, you can defend. Uh, defending is essentially like you know you are increasing, you, you're 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 committing yourself to defending. So it means yes. you you can prevent more damage to you. Dodging and grappling and hiding and improvising and parlaying and reacting and all these things, they're all uh, quite useful in that sense. Uh, different ways of interacting with your opponents. Um, but it is that it is that simple of just compare your rank to another person's rating rank or oh, sorry ratings that tells you the difference that tells you what your difficulty number is that's what you need to roll and yep. you roll any successes you get are then used for damage and you add the base damage of the weapon uh then you remove any armor from that damage and then any damage left over is removed from the opponent's toughness if they're reduced to zero, if they're reduced to, if your damage reduces them past zero toughness, or they're already at zero toughness, then for every point of damage dealt, you then refer to if it's going to do wounds. So if you're dealing like, and essentially this is where we get into wounds and how many wounds you have, like dwarves have extra wounds. So you can deal like uh, either light wounds, medium wounds, and you'll slowly fill up the wound slots, which also means if you spend that soul fire, to recover your toughness, you've got to lose yep. your toughness all over again before you start taking more wounds. So I really like that kind of like toughness is about shrugging off um, exhaustion, being winded, uh, and pain and flesh wounds. You know, yeah. the wounds we're talking about are like proper damage. Yeah, so it, it, it brings in that idea that you are a you are a soulbound, you are a mighty hero um, rather than just a normal person. So, yeah, um, something can come and hit you with a sword, but it's like, eh, I'm used to this. That's fine. That's, that's nothing. But as the fight goes on and on, then you do start to get tighter and your toughness does go down. Then the real hits come through and that's when you start taking the wounds. So, again, it's quite a nice little way of doing a story aspect through the rules. Okay, and the other thing is, once your wounds have been filled up, you're not actually dead yet. You then... No, it's really hard uh, to die in this. 
you then start having to do death tests, which depend upon the type of wound that's then next inflicted upon you. Uh, which again is just a simple role based upon your best attribute. Um, but yeah, it's pretty it's pretty hard to die, but at mm. least they they give you you get a chance to like have a have a fighting chance. You can do also the la you also have the last stand, which is where like um, you can <laughs> that's spend, a brand. yeah. You can was it you can start spend if you're on your if you are mortally wounded you can make a last stand you can choose to make a last stand on the turn before making a death test to make a last stand declare that you're doing so you're no longer stunned you remove conditions your metal refills to maximum wow yeah, yeah. And you're immune to all damage and environmental hazards and your melee and accuracy increases by one step wow your um, damage ignores armor you just become you become the ultimate boss. However, but then you die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you you get one turn turn of being the ultimate unkillable mental boss character, that, and then die. Doesn't that re remind you of Warcry? Like if you've got the yeah. last guy in Warcry, he can just pull off all his abilities. Yep, pretty much. That's cool. Um, um, but the good right. thing about that is is if that happened, if you do do that, if you do perform uh, the last stand. Um, and you die, doom doesn't increase, but the, the whole group's soul fire refills to its maximum. <laughs> wow. So that really gives um, a flavour of this game. It is yeah. grandiose, epic battles and dying uh, yeah. as fate has destined you to die. I know that we're at like uh, an hour and a half so far, so we're almost done. Um, we've had a few people pop in and out of the show. This is the first time we've done it live. So we're going to finish off, right? So there's obviously plenty of information of what you do between adventures, like, you know, downtime. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you doing some crafting? Are you going out to help cleanse some corruption? Are you doing some brewing? Are you learning some magic? Are you training? Are you uh, learning to train your mount and other things? So it just gives you some flavour of what you can do with your characters between. Yeah, them. you've got lots of like, and you, you get to do between adventures, you get to do an endeavour and there's a, there's quite a few of those things. So they're kind of like your, your extended tests in a way. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, the next, well, I say finally, the next chapter is, we're not going to get into this because we did, an, I think we've done the entire show on this kind of stuff or we will do some more which is uh, the different realms. So as we say, there's eight realms, Azure, Akshay, Shaman, Gur, Gairan, Haish, Shaish, and uh, Ungu, mm -hmm. um, which are the, the mortal realms. Obviously, there's the, realm of, there's the realm of chaos. There's the eight points. There are other realms between realms. There's places like Shadespire. Uh, so this book gives you a pretty decent understanding of where the world is at this point and i would say the information in here is on a par if not slightly better than um what you get in the age of sigma role uh rule book for the, oh you, you get you get a lot more in this than you do in the rule book a lot yeah more. you've got things like what's considered entertainment what's considered sustenance things like yeah. that safety you learn more about the um society in the mortal realms uh, at least for the free peoples and and the the people that make up the the factions that make up the the order yeah. uh so yeah you know we've got and some of the artwork for each of the realms are like brand new fantastic stuff 
Uh, also, we keep forgetting there's tons of sidebars in this book with other little adventure hooks and so forth in different places. Um, and that's pretty wicked. We should say, though, that um, there will be a ton more information coming out for Age of Sigmar RPG for Soulbound yes. with the GM's uh, gu- the GM's guide slash no the GM screen screen yeah and the Cities of Sigmar booklet. Cities of the Sigmar booklet is a PDF that contains twenty five uh, like one page adventures uh, hooks and ideas uh, which span all the different cities in the realm of fire in Akshai. So you know Hammerhole, uh, Anvilgard. Uh, Bright Spear, which is a brand new city created by Cubicle 7 for this game, and is also the main focus of the starter set for Soulbound. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff there. And uh, this is where we have to take our one hat off and put on the other <laughs> hat uh, yeah. about how biased we are with going, because we haven't, like, this book is new to us, this RPG book is new to us, but the setting and stuff like we've seen some of and some of the rules because we were actually involved in writing for Cities of Sigma. So there are two Cities scenari- of Flame. Uh, Cities of Flame, sorry. Cities of Sigma. They're Cities of, cities of Flame. So, uh, <laughs> David, you've written two scenarios. Yes, I've written two scenarios. You've written, two, I've written as well. two scenarios. So, uh, do not be surprised if we start playing Soulbound on the Gehenna Gaming stream, our friends over there, and we run through uh, a few scenarios based off what we've written because why the hell not? Um, yeah. Right, so let's get through the mortal realms. Where, where we know what those are. The realms of chaos. We know what those are like. We know the eight points. We know the horned rat. We know all this stuff. Uh, there are other factions, as we said, the dispossessed, the free guild, the iron well, the iron world arsenal. Ooh, yeah, cool. they are the cool. Seraphon. Oh, wanderers. That's the ones. The, the wanderers. The yeah. Right. Uh, the, we've also got some information about the collegiate of the arcane, which is the magical order. Um, We've got the Darkened Covens. We've already you get a bit of information about that. The Daughters of Cain, Devoters of Sigmar. So we get to learn about their church and the ideals, uh, the free peoples, their different roles and ideals. The the Fire Slayers, yes, yeah, Sergeant of Deepkin, Caradron Overlord, Scourge Pirates. Scourge Pirates looks cool. Yeah. Um, and then the next chapter is about the Great Parch. So this is the main focus that we've got. And also it's the main... It's the main um, beachhead of Sigmar back into the mortal realms, uh, following like the realm gate wars and reclaiming uh, certain parts of the mortal realms. Because Akshay is the most detailed area of the mortal realms currently, barring what Shade Spire and certain parts of, of Shaiish. Yeah. 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 Um, so we get some detail on that and some more artwork about how they farm in in um in Akshai. Yeah, um, life 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 on the part on the part. Um it's quite interesting. Um I need to look into this more because like obviously it's the realm of fire. Uh, how, how how do you farm and get water and grow crops in a realm which is really, really hot and dusty and, and based around fire. So it's it's quite nice that we've got all this detail in here. Yeah. About how that actually works. It's an amazing artwork. I know they've really taken that old map of the um, the Great Parch and expanded upon it. Because yeah. Great Parch is only a small sliver of the Realm of Fire. Yeah. Um, that's, so that's, that's one of the um, 
when you are, if you are new to the world again, uh, when you do see these maps of, of the realms, the realms are actually truly vast, massive, massive areas. So whenever you see a map, they're generally probably the size of a, a, a small country, um, if you think about it on kind what, of the world scale. Think, uh, no, the, no, the maps on, uh, included within the realm. So the Great Part is probably oh, yes, yes, only about yes. the size of a country. The realm itself will be the size of... Surface area, like oh. Jupiter, I bet, yeah. something like that. They're, they're absolutely massive places. So you, um, you've, you've got pretty much free reign to kind of do whatever you want in some of the, some of the realms. With, with it also adds some really great extra information on some of the areas that we've only like seen about, like Kotha. We learn a little bit more about that. We learn a bit more about the Flamescar Plateau. Yeah. Um, and so we really get a bit more about the ancient civilizations that existed in Akshai on the, on the Great Parch before the coming of Chaos. So we do get a little bit more information. Uh, so again... The RPG is going to be a really wonderful vehicle to help Games Workshop like expand the map uh, yeah. and delve into it a lot more. Uh, and then, of course, we've got a chapter on religion and belief, which is really just so you can get behind the mindset of your characters uh, and the fact that the gods walk the walk the earth. I said the earth; they walk the mortal realm. So, yeah, how they're, does the living gods? In a yeah. Way. So, how does like? A character feel about Sigmar when they pray to him and he doesn't help them out. When Sigmar is actually a being that can manifest, or at least his agents can manifest in the mortal realms. Uh, yeah, yeah you worship Sigmar, and the only way he, he kind of deals with you is he sends down a few shining golden boys who look at you very sternly and, and grunt at you and then go hit things. I mean, the cool thing is, you could potentially also play because I've, I've not finished listening to because I've got course i've been doing other things i was listening to the age of sigmar audiobook the horror one called i can't remember what it's called now is it dark harvest it's dark harvest dark harvest yeah and a character in that it actually is a self-proclaimed um follows follows the the, the, the religion of nagash he's a mortal yep. he's a human he's part of the free peoples but he follows nagash yeah um and it's so, perfectly acceptable. Yeah, um, it, it's the only the only thing that really isn't acceptable is, is the worship of chaos. Yes. Um, so all of the all of the gods are are free reign. You might be seen as a little bit weird if you do follow them, and they might probably not pay you that much attention as gods. But you can follow whoever you want. So you, um, if you're out in the the wilds of Gyron, you probably do have a relationship with Alariel, or maybe. Gorkamorka, if you're from a brutal tribe, um, so there Ooh. are things like that. We've got we've also got a page on Malarian, the Shadow King. Yes, that cool guy. We yeah, like him. he's a because because let's let's be honest. How excited are we for the 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 um the new Warcry Warband? Uh, oh, just the, a shadow, bit. the Dark Elves, effectively. Um, yeah, they look yeah. so nice. So happy for. Uh, Marathi, obviously. I've got. I'm still waiting for Games Workshop. My um, start collecting daughters of Cain to turn up because then my demo warband will consist of um, the Hag Priestess, uh, a um, so hold on, let's say Hag Priestess in the warband. Um, I'm going to use a Stormcast Eternal model. I'm thinking just a Sequitor, just to be a, a standard warrior. Mm -hmm. uh, a um, 
I've got the model for Gotrax because he's a beast. Mm-hmm. He's a absolute beast of the tabletop game. So he'll make a great dwarf. Whether he he'll make a good fire, fire slayer, slayer. Or, he could, yep. or he could just be a, a, a general Duarden. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think into the party, I'm going to pick one of the untamed beasts or the um, the uh, cipher lords to be a a, a mortal. Yeah. And that's a warband. That's a soulbound. Obviously, they won't be the the, the model from those warbands uh, won't be chaos followers. I'm just thinking because they're not different. They're from a different realm. It really gets across the diversity. Yeah, very much so. Um, I'm looking at what I've got and what I can do. So I can I can pull out some. Car- I can put a Caradron. I um, probably an Endring Rigger, Sky Rigger of some kind. I need, I need um, to buy the um, the Caradron. Um, uh, little warband that you use in Underworld. Uh, Underworlds. Yeah, I've got those. They're so nice. They've because it gives you what three character types in there. It you gives you. Uh, let me have a quick Skyrigger look. and a Aether, uh, uh, Aether chemist. At least. No, it gives you the. It gives you the. Oh no, it does give you the chemist. Yeah, so it gives you the chemist, the Skyrigger, um, and then three of your normal um, boys. So generic Caradron, which you can just use. Oh, no. So yeah, I'm going to pick up that set for this exactly. Cool. Uh, anyway, carrying on, we just got totally like sidetracked by talking about cool miniatures you can use to represent. And I think also that's the thing. We are massive fanboys. To, well, not massive fanboys, but we are engrossed in the hobby in yeah. all flavors. Um, you don't have to use the miniatures whatsoever. But the great thing is, is that I think if you feel you you want to get into it, and they help add some add some flavor to playing the game um it's always great that you've got things that perfectly represent um the characters in your world yeah and things like the under the underworld warbands really mean you don't have to spend that much either to get in get into it if you just want one model um so you could easily pick up, like, I'd say, like a few characters here and there using the warbands uh, and, and a, the odd character model. You could also then, if you want to get some antagonists, uh, you could pick up like um, the, the the warband for uh, the Nighthawks warband for Warcry, because in that you get some some chain rasps, you get a, a banshee, you get a uh, a wraith, and so forth. Or yeah, with the chaos underworld, stuff. yeah, underworlds is good for that as well. Yeah. Because you've got, I've, I've got some of the um, the goblins. Uh, oh yeah, the underworld stuff, and you get you get a trogoth in one of them. So you actually you you, you get a troll. What, well, what um, is now called a trogoth, but is a troll. So. so obviously, there's a discussion as we finish off religion and belief. There's a whole discussion about the chaos gods and uh, the yeah. horned rat, god, god beasts, beasts, and so forth. And then you get a whole thing about magic because obviously magic is a thing. So you've got uh, the powers of magic. I think you've got all the magical spells in this section. Yep, um, and you've got the the most amazing uh, thing. I don't know if we, you talked about it at the beginning, but you've got an endless spell. Yes, there's a terrifying Ooh. endless spell which you can do. With. There's also discussion about realmstone, uh, the very fabric of reality, uh, and how it appears. Um, You've got something called Varanite, which is which is basically warpstone that's infused the eight points, which I really like. Oh yeah, Varanite is 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 effect, it's it's worse than chaos, um, uh, pure chaos warp warpstone. It's uh, blood infused warpstone of sacrifices and 
horribleness all kind of melded into stuff. It sounds really so nasty, but I was interested in right because we were saying like if you wanted to represent other things within the setting, like if you wanted to have a necromancer, because I don't, I don't think in the Beast Street we have a necromancer. No, we don't as a character. So you could build it as a mortal because they're still human-ish, but you've got the Amethyst spells and you've got things like um, Soul Flay. And you've also got like soul steel, and mm. you've got some spells that could properly represent them doing death magic. So yeah, the the magic spells, uh, the spell list is is diverse, and there's a lot per every every law. There's about eight or so spells per each law, which is fantastic. Um, so you're if if you're playing a battle mage or you're playing. Uh, a character that can choose a lore to pick from. That's good fun. Um, likewise, obviously, if you're playing uh, Eidolon's Deepkin, you can literally summon the Ether Sea and allow yep. sea creatures to roam onto dry land. Uh, so that's amazing. And yes, the Endless Spell you said is the Purple Sun of Shaish, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, just looking at it, it, it just looking at uh, what it actually is it's just like oh my god that's terrifying and the cool thing is the book has some guidance on how you create brand new spells so this is mostly where you start thinking about if you wanted to create spells which um allow you to like summon the undead uh, and so forth but that's pretty much it there's some stuff on channeling magic because some spells are quite complex and difficult to cast so you're gonna have to really channel magical energy for some time and perform rituals to to pull off that magic right we're getting to the last bits we've got the gm's chapter uh it's pretty much guidance on how to run games about session zero about theme and tone and content uh because you know your players may not like certain elements of horror certain elements of violence certain story topics so these are discussions you should have at the start of the game with your players to establish the baseline of the game. Obviously, certain things are part of the game, like combat and violence. But you know, you know, there's no point in like describing endless hours of limbs being chopped off people and and blood fountaining from from necks and limb uh, and limbs where they've been sheared apart. Like it's it's fun but there's a point where like you're getting in the way of the story and may well be grossing out your players so yeah, yeah. there's a good point about that there's a wonderful t- table about difficulties of um dice rolls and how to work them out um it's actually really quite interesting because it compares this is a really good mathematical table so it compares how easy it is to achieve something so say if you've got a difficulty number of 3 and you need to get one success versus um, you know, it, or so, sorry, let's say compare a difficulty number four getting one success versus a difficulty number of three where you need to get two successes, so you can get a feel for what's comparable. Mm. Yeah, um, it's 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 a it's a very it, it's kind of a little bit reminiscent of the old uh, weapon skill versus weapon skill table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of old, but a lot easier to read. Uh, there's a big discussion about tone. Um, as we said, like so, the tone of Age of Sigma roleplay is definitely epic, mythic, dark, tragic. Yeah. So you are amazing heroes in this game. You're going to do do magnificent feats of heroism. You're going to save people. You're going to free cities. 
you're going to defeat monstrous creatures and ancient evils. But also there is a tragic element because the laughter of the gods, the gods are always going to bring you down eventually. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of your role as a soulbound. Uh, what else we've got here? We've got about doom uh, and it's stuff about like how you use these elements to, to build, you know, using doom, using soul fire to build the tone of the game and the themes of the game. Uh, and then whether you're doing quests and adventures. And I really find quite good. They do reference in here, like hands down to Emmett and the team. Like they, they give you some good guidelines of things you should read to yeah. you know, get off your ass, get off the computer, go read some classic mythology. You know, Go read, as I say, Odysseus, uh, the Argonautica, uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Read some Norse mythology. These will be things that will fuel your brain to give you ideas for stories. Go watch some anime, some classic anime with some ridiculous epic heroism in there. Like, uh, if you really want to get some ideas, go watch, like, Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll's classic for that kind of ridiculous com combats you could run. Uh, you could look at Grendel. You could look at uh, what other good anime... Uh, or you can look at, like, um, maybe it's actually quite relevant, like um, Avatar The Last Airbender is quite cool. Like, it's got some quite similar technology. Yeah, yeah it's kind of similar technology, and again, it's, it's the different realms. Yeah, exactly. It? So, it's perfect. I mean, yeah, they're the elemental realms, but yeah, yeah it fits that. Um, uh, let's see, what else have we got then? And then it's just got some other things within the GM's toolbox that you say about, like, how you could create other species and work it out. So if you really got some of the hands down, wants to play a Seraphon, you could do it. Like, you might just have to homebrew it for the time being until a book comes out, which supports that. Or maybe some other creature that we haven't yet seen in the tabletop game. Uh, but, you know, the realms are vast and huge. Yeah, um, that's, that, that is it. The realms are vast and huge. And with with um, when Warcry came out, we saw some new, some new creatures being released in that core set that we've never seen before. So Games Workshop themselves are still expanding on, on what is actually available. Like Lumineth coming out, we've got now these giant mountain goat things. So you can you, you design your own stuff. Go ahead, have fun. Um, the realms are vast. So, so yeah, what they're doing with movement, for exact movement, this is where we'll get into it, because like, if you're like us and you're wargamers, you're mostly going to go, I like zones for some things, but maybe I want to use exact movement for other things. Yeah. So... You basically go, if you're slow, you can move 15 feet, which I think is basically three inches in in tabletop terms. Sounds about right. Yeah. I'm, I'm now, I'm trying to visualize it. It looks about right. Uh, normal is 30 feet, which is double it. So like, yeah, that's six inches of movement. Fast is double again. That's 12 inches. That's it. Yeah. And then ranges means close is five feet, which will be uh, an inch. Short is, uh, sorry, close range is five Five to fifteen feet short is thirty to sixty feet. Medium is sixty to one hundred. Long is one hundred twenty to two hundred. Yeah, that's basically our, our three three to six. Uh, yeah, it's three to six. Are they break up a bit? No, it's that's one to three. Yeah. Uh, six to twelve. Yeah. Twelve to twenty-four. And yeah, then something like that. Twenty-four over something like that. And then they've got grid-based, which is like you know. Uh, a regular human's going to take up one square, a medium's going to take up one square, a large is going to take up four squares, two by two, you know, that type of thing. Or you just have base sizes because we use bases um, if you're doing exact movement and so forth. 
So, yeah. you know, it's it's pretty simple. And we're going to finish off with the last chapter, which is the beastery, because we've got a lot of cool stuff in there. So many cool things in here. So what have we got? We've got examples of free people that you could meet. So Cogsmiths, Free Guild Guard, Wanderers. So that's basically Dwarf, Human, Elf. Yep. Um, we've got all the pets and yeah, so mounts. Cats, dappled efreets, so different types of creatures you've probably never heard of before. Drill Bill, um, your eels. Griff Chargers, the works. It's all in yeah. there. Uh, this other new creature that I've not heard of, which is called a Mustori, which is brand new. Yeah, uh, I've not heard of these before. What it are they? comes. From, it enters. Uh, it comes from outside of the realms. Uh, it enters a realm. A short fur uh, coat coats mimic with unerring accuracy the celestial bodies of the realm. Sky, in essence, this makes a Mustori a highly valuable living star chart. Oh, that's wow. cool. That's oh, is that the pick? So that could be. So on the. Uh... One of the archetypes, the human arch- one of the human archetypes, there's a woman who has a bird which is looks like a star chart. I'll be that then. So it'll be that, yeah. That's cool. Uh, then we've got also, also like monstrous beasts like the Arachnorox spider, which the um, goblins ride around on. Uh, a grunter, which is a big boar. boar. Yeah, I was going to say it's a boar. The magmadroth, which is what the um, the uh, oh, fire slayers ride on. Um, more, More crushes, uh, and then we've got disciples of the dark gods. Now, the point with the disciples of the dark gods, like for most of what you could do with them, you may as well just use stat lines for like free peoples and add extra things to them to represent the influence of chaos and their training, because yep. chaos is an insidious group, uh, insidious influence upon the mortal realms. But you do have some specific examples of chaos antagonists. So we've got like chaos sorcerer lord. Uh, we've got the Blades of Torn, so we've got like a Blood Reaver and a Blood Warrior and a Flesh Hound and Blood Letters and Blood Reapers and a Korgoroth. Oh, my God. Um, I don't want to ever see a Korgoroth on the table. What have um, we got for Zinch? We've got... Uh, horrors. Classics. Pink Horror, Pink Blue, Blue and Brimstone Horrors. Karak uh, uh, Acolytes. Classic, because those miniatures you get in um, Silver Tower stuff. as well. Yep. Uh, I wish angles. that was still in print, Silver Tower. So again, if you've yeah. got a copy of Silver Tower, you've got a brilliant miniatures collection to use to help represent your 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 battles uh, in the Mortal Realms for the roleplay game. Uh, a Volkarak. Um, what's a Volkarak when it's at home? Vul- Volkarak. Uh, are yeah. they the ones on the? Uh, they're the flying. Oh, they're the hunting beasts. Oh, they're, they're the, the flying demons. Yeah. Yeah, they're the no, they're the birds that the the Karakakalites have. The pets. Uh, you got Zangors, yes. Yeah, Zangors, uh, Zangors, Shamans. And then we've got well, Head Knights of Slanesh, but we've only got a small amount for this. We've got a Keeper of Secrets. Why have they given us rules for a Keeper of Secrets? Oh my god. Because you don't, who, who doesn't need an enormous giant demon um, from the Head Knights of Slanesh bearing down upon them? With It's insane. It's my toughness. god, that toughness is too. 42 toughness and 11 wounds. Gee, a su- superb, extraordinary with shield as his defense. And you got rules for demonettes. That's, that's mental. Um, we've got Nurgle, which gives us a great unclean one, which again has got a toughness of 48. Why do we need a great unclean one? And we've got Why? Why? Classic. Um, I would have liked yeah. seeing rules for Nurglings. But, you know, oh, yeah, Nurglings would have been, yeah. Uh, we've got rules for Children of the Horn Rat. We've got Clan Rats, Graces, uh, Gutter Runners. 
a vermin lord. Oh my word. Rat ogres. Ogre. Uh, Allegiance and Nagash. Now we're on to my favourite things because I finished up painting some stuff like for my army recently. So we've got Chain Rasps. Classic. Um, and uh, they're, pretty, they're pretty fun. Uh, we've got... Um, sorry, Ooh, we get Vardice. We've got Chain Rasp Dread Warden, which... Does it have a rule for summoning the dead? I don't know. I thought it might have the rules for summoning more of its number. Uh, no. Uh, we've got Chain Rasps, Glaive Wraiths, Mermont Banshees, that's terrifying, a Vargeist, which is yeah, the big Vargeist thing. things. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then we've got Flesh Eater Courts, which is Crypt Ghouls, and a Crypt Ghoul King, or King. Queen. Abor Abhorrent King. Yeah. And then we've got a Terrorgeist, which is a big monster. Back yeah, that's, monster. that's a terrifying thing to have. So what you don't have in here are rules for a winged um, ghoul. What's the big monster? What's the big ghoul things? Terrorgeists. No, the ghouls, the larger ghouls. The um, You've got ghouls and then you've got the larger larger ones. Aren't they Vargeists? No. Um, uh I can't remember what they're called now. Sorry about that. But the point is, you could use a Vargeist to, to possibly to represent the winged uh, versions of the ghouls, which you know, grow bat wings and are quite large. Um, we've got rules for Ossiarch. Well, we've only got yeah, one, two, well, stat got, got... two, two stat lines. But um, it's nice oh, to see that the Mortec Guard and Necropolis Stalkers turn oh, up. Oh, is that the big multi arm thing? Yeah, it's the one with the multi arms and can have oh, multiple wow. heads. Excellent. Just finished painting up. Um, my uh Ossiarch army cool so that's cool. okay what have we got next we've also got weird boys we've got hard boys we've got grots we've got fungoid cave shaman <laughs> excellent yeah, um, hey. oh he gets to take his death cap mushrooms as well that's good got trogoffs and squigs wow and then we've got a quick list of the conditions in the game for when you get hurt and then we've got the character sheet that is it that is the book that is age of sigma soulbound yeah. Um, there is so much in this book. Um, consider for for a three hundred fifty page book, there seems to be like six hundred pages worth of material in it. There is a lot there, which I mean, always with the beastry, you're going to be limited. Like we don't have rules for like I don't know, like we don't have rules. There's no, for there's like... no vampires. There's no uh, yeah. necromancers. Um, there's no rules luckily, for there's no yeah. There's no there's no base characters, but also luckily there's no. Um, Greater Demon of Corn in there, which is quite nice not to have. And I think the point is, it's like obviously with any B Street section, you're always going to be limited by your page count. Like, yep. Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure Cubicle Seven have got books lined up that will expand this by loads. Uh, they'll also have, um, I'm sure they'll have free downloads, like they're doing. Like they'll have a, have a few scenarios that they can download for free at some point. Uh, they did that for Warhammer Fantasy, so. But the point is, it's quite easy to see from these examples, you can mostly homebrew your rules to represent, say, uh, you know, other undead or orc or um, skaven antagonists, because mm. you've got the base, you've got a base starting point, which you can work from. Uh, and that's all you generally need. Uh, and I think the other thing is to say, like, when you're running Age of Sigma roleplay, when you're running Soulbound, um, like, again, don't make combat the only thing that you ever do. No. Like, part of what you're doing is exploring this world, exploring this setting. And to do that means not just killing everything you see. This 
this game, because of the way it uses zones, but like it uses zones that's talking about to the edge of the mind, is not a dungeon crawler. It is not D D. It is not Pathfinder in that sense. Um, it is. It's world building. Yeah, and that's one thing because um, we there aren't maps of the realms, and not all the realms know much about. You can really easily go up, go to town and explore the world and world build really really well with it. So. Um, it's not limiting you with what you can do with the, even though it is Age of Sigma, it's very Games Workshop, it is very Warhammer, but there is so much more that you can actually do, um, unlike some of the other systems where they are specifically contained within a specific world where a specific thing has happened. You can have a lot of fun exploring weird and wacky ideas. So I think to wrap up, what will be definitely uh, to say is that obviously this has been a very uh, long live episode. We did it live because the book came out, what, like Thursday? Thursday? God, uh, already it's it's Thursday it came out. Um, We've tried to digest as much of it as possible. Um, And uh, what we'll be doing for future episodes of Dark Heaven, which we'll record as normal and put out, is uh, essentially to... Um, essentially we'll, we'll look at some more areas of the mortal realms uh, maybe a particular city maybe a particular faction uh, and then not only will we, we try and go through that and explain it and see, see how it fits into the setting is also then now we have the RPG we can look at how we use that within our stories and use them as story hooks and what kind of tales we can we can tell uh, and essentially challenges we can create for our players. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's what we already do for the 40K and Warhammer. It's great now we can talk about Soulbound in a less nebulous way. Yeah, have, have, have kind of like a more specific, oh, so this is how we can do this bit rather than, well, here's some lore. This, we might be able to do this. We can now actually state yes or no on those, those things. So. Exactly. Um, but yeah, thank you for those who have popped in to listen. It's good to have people listen to this uh i hope i assume in this episode will will be stored it should be stored on the uh on the podcast website uh so when i end this it should be live immediately and i i hope if not we'll just do this again we'll just record it all over again yeah it'll be Uh, and it'll be edited it'll be edited which will be fine uh, and we won't have our mess up because this is the first time we're doing a live live show and logging in was a pain in the ass and stuff. Um, but yeah, if you enjoy this, you can head over to www.darkford-days.org for more content for RPGs in general, uh, especially for horror RPGs. If you go to our Dark Hammer episodes, you will find our episodes dedicated to the worlds of Warhammer RPGs, which are Wrath and Glory, Warhammer Fantasy, and now Soulbound. Uh, and we will we have uh, content uh, with Gehenna Gaming. So next Sunday at 8 p.m. British summertime, uh, we'll have part two of Dark Tides, our Wrath and Glory game. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at www. Oh no, not www. You can email us at dark, darkerdaysradio at gmail.com and go to our Instagram and our Twitter at darkerdaysradio and to our Facebook. Uh, and also, next time, if you want to have more of a live show like this where you can comment and say things about what we're talking about, please say so. We'll try and run these maybe a, a bit more frequently um, as we get more and more used to Podbean's uh, live on-air system. 
Uh, and David, again, thank you for buggering about with the technology to get online. Yeah. Uh, um, it's an experience. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely an experience. And that is basically it, I think. So thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye.